Christian and Bella Jis. Oh, praise the Lord. Good Good morning. Good morning. This beautiful day in December. My name is Monica Terrell and it's wonderful to be here in the house of the Lord and to join with our saints from around the world. Amen. Um, I'm going to start with prayer, if that's okay. Father, we, we, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege it is to be here to minister to you. And Lord, I just ask that every part of this morning and throughout this day would be truly ministry to your heart. And Lord, I just I ask you, Lord, that you would just be in this room, that your Holy Spirit would just dwell here within us. Lord, I ask, Father, that you would anoint me to bring forth exactly what you would have me to share prophetically. I ask for your grace. I ask for grace to the hearers, Lord. And Lord, we just, we just thank you. We want all that we do, all that we say, all that we are to represent you. And so we just present ourselves to you this morning. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Woof, woof, woof. Um, I am not Trish Burke. My name is Monica. And um, I do want to speak into um, to, you know, Trish isn't here. She was scheduled to teach because she is dealing with a physical issue. I know Dennis and Tammy are out this morning because Dennis is dealing with a physical issue. Um, there's a lot of, of things that are happening in the, in the company of the saints, but I just want to say that God is sovereign over all and has dominion over, over all. And, and so we present ourselves and the body of saints, every one of us before him and before his throne to, to be touched by him and to be made whole and, and truly able to run this race and to walk according to all that he has purpose for us. Amen? Amen. So we're going to talk about um, the Kratos, but that, that's not going to be till the second really part of this teaching. And and, you know, Pastor asked if, if this was an embellishing class, and I just want to say that I, I in no way stand up here before you and say that I am an expert in any of this. Um, this, to me, is something that the Lord prophetically began to speak to me um, over the last couple of days, I can say, but based on a vision that I had had last weekend when the saints were together to pray, where I saw the foot of the Lord in the sanctuary and I knew that it represented his rulership his kingship his dominion and and I you know I I've been partnering with that because I fully believe that and I believe in this month of the prophet and as we transition into this year of the saints that we are going to be walking in kingship kingly authority and in ruling and reigning with the Lord Jesus Christ and I believe that with everything within me um and so for me, this was really more of I needed to refresh an understanding of the power, but it's not even about the power. You know, we don't focus on the power, but God is power. When we, t when we think about Kratos, he is Kratos. He is glory and he is Kratos. 
and 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 because he dwells in us and because he has a you know he 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 functions from a throne that releases delegated authority to us as sons and as co-heirs with Christ we need to know who we are and we need to walk in that in faith knowing that that authority is given to us and and as we um, move about in his will and so um, this is really for some of you will probably be a refresher but for me it was something to me it's something that the Lord is prophetically saying and so it's my responsibility to to study and to be in the word and to release the word and um, so we'll just see where the spirit leads us with this okay we're going to start in the book of Revelation because before we get into any measure of authority and power, I really want to establish our identity and because from that, everything flows. And so I, I was reading through the first couple of, um, well, actually, I've read through almost the entire book of Revelation this past week. But I just want I, I to remind you of some of the things that it says just in chapter 1. Now, we know the book of Revelation is a letter from Christ himself to the church, right? And it speaks of the time of the end. So is that where we are? Are we on the doorstep of that? I'm not going to say yes or no. I'm going to say we're closer than we've ever been. How profound. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That's one present truth I can say. <laughs> um, but it is, you know, it's a letter that Christ himself you know, wrote through John to the church. He speaks of, you know, commendations to the church, criticism to the church. He speaks comfort to the church. And then he begins to unleash these visions which show judgment upon the wicked, right? And, 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 and parts of it speak of the church being in great distress. But in the end, there's this great assurance of the final trump triumph that belongs to the king of kings the lord of lords bringing an end to the rebellion and the rebellion of humanity and really ushering in the new heaven and the earth where god will reign forever and ever and we are able to reign with him amen but i mean i i was looking at just the first chapter and it says blessed is he that readeth this and that hears the words of this prophecy and keeps those things which are written therein and for the time at the hand. Time is at, for the time is at hand. And so this morning we are reading, we are hearing the words of this prophecy, and we're going to keep, we're going to tarry all these words that are written because the time of the end is at hand, and we believe that. And then he says, um, he's speaking to the seven churches, which we are part of that, Right? We can identify, I think, with just about every one of those churches in some way, at some moment. Um, grace and peace to you from him which was, which is, and which was, and which is to come. So grace from the Father, grace and peace from the Father, grace and peace from the seven spirits which are before the throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings, and this word for prince is a word that um, it's the word archon, and it means ruler, it means the first, and it means commander. So he is the commander, he is the first, he is the ruler of all the kings of the earth. And then here's our first passage, which I gave to you, which is Revelation 1, 5, and 6. 
and from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of this earth, unto him that loved us, or I think we could easily say that loves us, washes us, or has washed us, freed us from our sin in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion, kratos, forever and ever. Amen. And if you look at the original text, it basically, that basically is saying he is glory and dominion. He is doxa and kratos forever and ever. Amen. Amen. He is. And so here we see that, and I know we just recently talked about this, but I'm going to drive it home again. Because to me, in the timetable of the Lord, we got to take note of what's in this book. And in this first chapter, what is our identity? It is as kings and priests. So as we go throughout the rest of the age here on this earth and into eternity, that's who we are. That is who we are. Yes, you may be a prophet. Yes, you may be a teacher. Yes, you're an intercessor. Yes, you're the, this and that. But he says right here, we are kings and priests unto God and the Father. So that identity alone gives us perspective to our authority, right? Because kings have authority. And our duty, our responsibility. This is present tense. This is our function now, both in our witness and in our worship. And so I just want to talk, uh, uh, you know, for a few minutes about what kings and priests represent and what their role is. But just two present truths I'd like to bring to you that are very foundational that we find here. One, we are redeemed by Christ. We are washed and freed of our sins by his blood. He is the sacrificial lamb. And two, we, through his glorious dominion, his doxa kratos, we've been named kings and priests. So from that thronos level, or that curios level, that's who we are named. From that level, we are named kings and priests to God. That is our present calling this is the calling of the dual offices that we that we that we that we hold. Okay, now kings, kings. Um, this is really you know when I was talking about seeing the foot and really you know I started looking at just or refreshing, reminding myself of what the kingdom is, what what the king represents. This Basileus. Um, I think I gave, might have given, yeah, I gave you the, the definition. It, it means foundation of power, okay? And it comes from the root basis, which means the sole of the foot. And kingdom is basileia, and it, it means royal power, kingship, dominion, and rule, okay? So that's the definition of king. So under the king of kings, the prince of kings, who Jesus Christ is, we have delegated authority extended from the throne and 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 the empowerment to administrate the power of his rule amen it's good guys <laughs> um 
Revelation one fifteen, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they were burned in a furnace. I didn't really like probe too deeply about this in this, but what I do know is that first of all, the priests, as they're called, they minister barefooted. Um, but this bronze, the the bronze, it's 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 a combination of two words, which mean the the fine metal. And the other part is the frankincense, white. And so I love that because what that speaks of is Jesus, you know, the bronze altar is where the priest would make sacrifices. So Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, right? And the white, the, um, the frankincense represents the fullness. You know, we understand that's the fullness, the completion of what he did for us to bring us to that place so that we could function as kings before him. Um, and priests before him. And so that 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 is kings, that is kingdom. And I believe that what I saw prophetically represents really more of a prophetic awareness for all of us to recognize who we are and and what we're called to 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 rule and reign with him in these in, in these last days in this um, in this mission. Amen. So kingship is wonderful. It's amazing. It's, it's kingly authority. It's delegated authority from the throne of God. But that authority is only accomplished in the spirit if, you, if, if you're fully role. That's the only way. And so what is the priestly role? Well... First of all, we know that a priestly role is a lifestyle of worship, of, of, of commune, of intercession, of praise, of sacrificial praise. Of, it is a sacrificial life that you give yourself to the Lord for him, for service to him. That is the priestly calling. That is what we are. And we, we are a kingdom of priests. And so the rule of kingship and the rule of actually moving in that measure of authority is really only affected through the priestly mission as it is fully attended to by us individually. It's keeping the fire burning in the altar. And so, yes, we have that responsibility here in the house, but we have this responsibility individually before the Lord. Every single one of us is to keep the altar, the fire burning in the altar, of our hearts to, to, to maintain that sacrificial lifestyle, that intercession, um, because really worship is the foundation to kingdom advancement, period. You think about in the days when they were establishing, you know, the structure, what was the most important thing to establish? The worship and the priest. And so... Um, it's just so important. It, it, you know, it's important for us as a people and as a body and as a congregation, but it's, uh, it's important for us individually because everything about God, everything that we move in is, is really contingent on relationship and authority. And this is something that's been driven home to us. I've probably heard that more than I've heard anything else, Right.
point of submission. I just want to ask why you just say that because I know that yeah. also the most important thing is for us to worship. And that you know all the good worship songs. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it, it is. It is that sacrificial life. It's sacrifice of praise. It's um, um, submission and service to the Lord. And so. No, I was, I just was looking at some discussions about <coughs> priests. And of course, we're, we're going to be looking at that at length here. But um, the Old Testament concept, of course, was somebody like Aaron established to deal with the things that we know in Judaism. But in the Greek mindset, this word, kyrios, um, it at the essence of it, it described anyone who was I don't want to say managing, but administering a spiritual place. And to be this kind of person, you had to be a seer. To be this kind of person, you had to have a measure of experience and understanding of what was going on spiritually in that place. And you had to take responsibility for it and either speak from it or welcome people into it, but it was it was less liturgical in the Greek mindset, even though it did describe people who had an official in a cult or in some kind of religious setting, a, a point of authority. But at the base root, this word was used in any of those outposts, any of those shrines, any of those areas where something spiritual was happening. And the essence of it is that you had to be a seer. You had to be somebody who who could recognize what was going on in the spirit realm and then be able to function within it. So that's kind of interesting. Um, you know, John is speaking of this. Obviously, um, it made us to be kings, somebody with authority, but somebody who then would be able to, to move in the things of the spirit able to perceive and, and to discern and to to know what needs to be happening spiritually and you know again it's not a whole lot different than what we would normally think regarding you know being a priest under our great high priest but you even think about that when it's talking about Jesus being the great high priest um, he was of the tribe of Judah and so you know he he was ministering from that point more based upon knowing what was going on in the spirit realm, having authority there, transacting things, moving in and out of things. And so, you know, I think, uh, I think that's just an interesting concept, but from, from the Hellenistic perspective, this, this word could have been used for any kind of individual that was moving in the spirit realm. But when it comes to what God is saying, you couple that with the overall authority. Mm -hmm. You couple that with being over everything. That, that to me is a significant link with kings and priests because like that song we hear Rick Pitino singing, I mean, every other spirit is under your spirit. And that we have authority um, 
puts us in a position where uh, no matter what other kind of seer there is, no matter what other kind of spiritual environment is, when we come with that combination on behalf of the Lord and the kingdom, we... There's power. Yeah. Well, Pastor, it's interesting because the underlying thing in all of this for me and really for all of us has been we are in this season of halal. And, I, I, you know, I, I, I've been thinking about how, how does that overlay or how does that connect here because halal to me is vision. You know, it's about vision, and I think, okay, we've got this commission to to um, to go to the throne and to see, and then to to embody, as you will, as you will, what we see the Father doing in heaven at His throne, and then just walking it out in faith or whatever that means for us, prophesying whatever. And so, I know that that, because to me, that was like. That was the launch point for me because I was halaling. I mean, I was pressing in for a halal vision when, when I saw this. And so I know that the seer part has to be so significant. I mean, yeah. But it's, it's much, I think the thing for us is, like when we just read that on surface, if somebody just reads this, Francesca, whoever it is, maybe reading this, <laughs> they think, you know, we're wearing the high hat, you know, and we're offering up, you know, we're just doing liturgical things. And we, we know how to do these things that have to be done based upon what the scripture tells us to do. And yeah, we need to be aligned with scripture, but it really is being not only willing to admit that there are things going on in the spirit realm around you and it affects you, but being able to maneuver in it. To function. Yeah. To abs- to fu- and I and I've just, I guess I've just been, you know, I've been thinking about, oh, wow, you know, how great we get to halal. But do we realize what that is? I mean, when we, we're going to talk about the throne, do we realize, do we forget the majesty of his throne and the power of his throne? Everything flows through his throne. I mean, it's just, and so I really had to go before the Lord and say, Lord, have I been flippant? You know, have I not really, um, uh, not appreciated, but I just think there's a gravity that he's trying to bring us to, and maybe that's where the, the glory part comes in. And like I said, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not going to say I have the answers. I'm just, I'm just laying this out for us just to say I feel like this is where we are, and God is speaking about this, at least to me, and and I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't want to frolic through my walk without. I don't know. I don't, there's just a sovereignty to it. There's a weightiness to it. There's something that. Well, let's move on. I think that the Lord is really wanting to for us to recognize the gravity of what we're doing. Yeah. Because I think we've been doing it long enough that maybe some things have become common as opposed to awe-inspiring. That's, 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 yeah, exactly. And I, I don't want to, I don't want that to be me. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or any of us. Because I think where we are headed is, is, is going to be weighty. And, and to recognize, it's not just so that we're not flippant with it, it's so that we acknowledge the authority and the power 
that he's given to us as we dwell with him there because we are seated in heavenly places so it's just I don't know it, I, I guess it's just maybe to, to, to open our eyes to bring a fresh awareness maybe um, so um, so Exodus 19 5 through 7 just as the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt into the wilderness this is what God said to them now therefore if you will obey my voice keep my covenant then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all the people for all the earth is mine and you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation these are the words which you shall speak unto the children of Israel and Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord had commanded I think that's an interesting play on words laid before all their faces all the words that God had commanded them so this was so important to the Father. I mean, it was so important that they acknowledge, that they recognize, because from the beginning, when he was establishing his people to go in and take dominion of the promised land, which was battle, it was warfare, that, that they had to recognize that they were a kingdom of priests because that had to be established. You cannot have dominion and conquest and walk in your inheritance outside of a priority of sacrificial worship. You just can't. And so for all of us, may we recognize that. And 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 yeah. And then first Peter two, five and nine, I'm actually gonna move past that just because we don't really need to dwell um, there other than because we've already talked about really what the significance of that is in the Greek. Um, we do know that the role of the priest was to maintain that perpetual incense before the Lord, which we also know is the prayer of the saints. So when we think about the role of the priest, we're talking about intercession, and we know that, well, we'll talk a little bit, a little bit further about what that means from the TTT and the rulership from there, but um, it's just so important. It's so important that we keep that that perpetual fire, that flame burning, and that we're continuously offering that sweet incense before the Lord throughout the generations. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's talk, and once again, I'm preaching to the choir, but I, this is something I feel like the Lord wants me to say. Maybe there's somebody out there that hasn't gotten it. Um, I just want to talk for a minute about authority structure um, because, like I said a few minutes ago, you know, I've been halaling like crazy. <laughs> I'm just like crazy with halaling. And, and, and it just like hit me. Like, do I really realize that I am pressing in to see the very throne of God? I mean, the God, the, the, the Lord, the King, the, the, the Lord. And that he is empowering us to partner with him in power and dominion from that place. I mean, it's huge. It's so huge. And so, like I said earlier, I mean, we have, it's been driven into us that in the kingdom, in the spirit realm, contingent on two things, relationship with the Lord, relationship, and authority structure. And, and we have to understand this. And why I'm saying this today, I do not know. I'm just telling you that the Lord, the spirit, wanted me to include this. But our Father, he wants us to understand order of authority 
that exists in the spirit realm and also which is emulated within the, the realm of the enemy. We need to understand the rules. How can you rule and reign if you don't understand the rules? And, you know, the enemy, <laughs> he basically emulated what God had established. And, and so Jesus marveled twice. The first one led him to say a prophet is not without honor in his own home, could do no mighty works. And poof. The second one was when he marveled at the centurion because the centurion understood authority. And I give a command, and, 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 you know, what does it say? It says, I'm a man under authority. I have soldiers under me. I say to this man, go, and he goes to another. Come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does that. You guys, that's how we have to be. We have, we cannot even question or blink. Well, maybe you could blink. But we have to be as him that understands authority structure, that when we are directed or commanded, we move. We do. Jesus heard this, he marveled and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith in all of Israel. And so just that profound grasp of the connection between faith and authority, I want to move in faith. I want to, to be as Abraham that sees what God is doing, that walks in righteousness, that sits at his right hand or is positioned at his right hand, that on this earth and in the realm, I can call something that is not as though it is. And that's how we have to be. And the only way to be that is to be in authority, structure, understand it, and submit to it. Amen? I know I'm preaching to the choir, but... <laughs> but God, you know, God is the head of everything. Join with me. Listen, yesterday we went to a Christmas program, and they sang a hundred songs. But they sang Joy to the World, and I cried. Not because it was so beautiful, because I was interpreting every single word as what I understand it to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, are we not thankful for yes. the understanding from his word that we have? What joy is, yes. that I can say joy to the world? See, I'll start crying, but I am not going to. The Lord has come. You know, it's just, yeah. Anyway, so when it comes to what we're called to do, when it comes to territorial warfare or taking the kingdom, we have to understand how things flow. And, and through that understanding and through that moving in proper alignment and from the throne, we can walk in faith and we can call those things that be not as though they are. Right? Amen. Amen. Let's talk about his throne. Isn't it just wonderful to be able to fellowship with the Lord, with our Heavenly Father, that we can be taken up to the throne, that we can recognize that our conversation is in heaven and that we are seated in, in, in heavenly seats? Isn't that wonderful? There is no higher place than the throne of the Lord. Like Pastor said, Rick Pino says, and I just heard the song. Every other throne is under your throne. <laughs> it's the highest point in the hierarchy of the throne. It is far-reaching. 
it is expansive and that it encompasses the scope of heaven. So when you think about heaven, you think about the throne, it encompasses the whole scope of heaven. And then he says that the footstool, which is here on the earth, it requires the breath of the earth. So that's big, <laughs> right? It's breathtaking. It's, it's, it's daunting and immense, but it's intimate. And that's just the God that we serve. And the, I, I think I put on your, sh your sheet, Acts 7:49. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build me, saith the Lord, and what is the place of my rest? So he has this <coughs> immense throne in heaven. From that place, everything flows. We are welcomed up to that place. But you know where he wants to dwell? In you, Andrea. He wants to find his place of rest in you, Fran. He's so amazing, right? His throne is made of grace. And, and we understand grace is promotion, it's deliverance, it's moving forward. And so whenever we go boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace and help of need, we need to recognize that that throne is grace. And you know, so often I don't think of it that way. But it is. It's grace. So everything about God's throne is, is it depicts, it characterizes our moving forward in his will. So we obtain mercy, and we know that's those divine directives that we gain through intimate communion at his mercy seat. And as we obtain mercy, then we are empowered to find grace. And so we find grace, and as we find grace comes promotion. And, and at his throne is not only rulership, but it's the development for us as in rulership with the, as the children of God with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so from the beginning, when his throne was established, it was established in a point of, of grace, mercy, as a point of rulership as it flows through, and then in a place where he draws us up to develop us and to prepare us and to empower us to rule and reign with him. Spend some more time up there. Colossians 1.16, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Amen. And then Luke 22, 28 through 32. This is Jesus speaking to us. Ye are they which have continued or minnowed with me in my trials and my temptations. And I appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father has appointed unto me that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. You may sit on thrones judging the 12 <laughs> tribes of Israel. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not, and when, you're, and when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. So as we pursue, as we dwell, as we halal, whatever it is that we are doing at the throne, we have to recognize that in that place of our identity and privilege, really, the enemy is always out there wanting to sift us, wanting to stop us, wanting to bring anything he can to shake your positioning right out of there, okay? But the beautiful thing is that we know the chief intercessor, our Lord Jesus Christ, is praying for us even this moment. He's lifting us up 
um, and really praying that we be established and that as we are established, it is our responsibility to establish and strengthen our brethren. Amen? Amen. And then we also, I gave you some scriptures that speak about the elders that are seated around the throne, Revelation 4, verses 4 through 6. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunders and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass, like under the crystal, like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were the four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And then Revelation eleven sixteen, and the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God. I love this. And this very much, and this is just an old study, but very much links this place um, with the, the temple of the tabernacle of testimony with the throne and we know that in that location even this very moment the elders the saints saints from around the world the angels are partnering with God at his throne on behalf of the directives of the father that you know of things that affect this earth and of things that he is you know intending to accomplish on this earth that is the place where they are seated and we are welcome there we function there we are commissioned there. We are given strategy and um, really commissionings for intercession from that place, even now, that affect things that we face on the earth, world events. And so we need to, to find our place there. And, and I can even say this. We need to find ourselves there more regularly. It's an invitation for us to go and proscuneo, um, to fall on our faces and, and, and really... Um, partner with the Lord on the things that are happening here upon the earth because, gosh, it's kind of important. I mean, this world is in absolute chaos, right? Yeah. And so we need to really um, maintain that lifestyle of proskuneo in our, yeah. Amen? So we're going to talk about really our place of ruling or rulership and and the thronos and the curios and does anybody have any comments? Okay. So we know that the enemy who was positioned up there, right? He um, he decided that he was going to take you know grace in his own hands, and he was going to exalt his own thro throne above the stars of God. And we have here in Isaiah fourteen thirteen, for thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, and I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. And I don't know if I gave you that passage, but I just read it to you. He basically made this attempt. We know he failed, but <laughs> subsequently we have sin. We have chaos in the world due to that attempted um, measure of rebellion. And so for us, 
we are called to take the kingdom back. Um, the only way to be able to do that is to be positioned, right, with the Lord to be able to do that. Um, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. And it's interesting because the word for violence, it, it literally means a forcible removal of one power by a greater power. So how are we going to take the enemy by force, violent force, if we're not moving in the greater power, right? But that's our calling. That's our calling. That's what John the Baptist, or it says as in the days of John the Baptist. Um, and so we have to get to business, right? We have to get to business. It's our duty. It's our responsibility to go boldly where he leads us and to establish his rightful rule and reign of the Lord from his throne. Amen? Amen. 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 Once again, this is really just more of a, a declaration of things that you all already know, but for whatever reason, this is where the Spirit led me. So let's talk a little bit about um, the thronos and the kuros. Now, the throne, and Pastor, maybe you can help me here with this because I am no expert in this, but the thronos level is the top level in the hierarchy, right? And it's where God rules. I mean, it's from the throne. It's the realm where all things proceed from is that thronos level. It's this lofty expanse where God created everything and from where he moves, where he thoroughly rules the creation from his throne, from that place. And then he develops us that will rule and reign with him from that place of the thronos. And so let's look at Revelation 17, 14. <coughs> it says, these shall make, once again, this is coming. This is in, in the book of Revelation. These shall make war with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them. And that's Nikeo. That means to conquer them. For he is the Lord of lords, and this is Curios. This is the level just under the thronos, and he is the king of kings. And it's what we talked about earlier, the Basileus, which is that um, the footprint of rulership. Okay, And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. And so we have Lord of lords. The lords are those that are entrusted with authority in the structure of responsibility as dictated by the throne. The lords translates most frequently as, as um, dominion, okay? And then we have kings, which rule and reign with him, who I would assume are those that are on the thrones. Is that correct? Yes. So the kings are those that, men and women, that inhabit the thrones of the Most High, okay? But in order to really attain to this place of rulership, we have to be called, chosen, and faithful. And what does that speak? I mean, what does that describe to you? Our saintly walk, right? Because there's a lot, there are many that are called to this, but there's few that really commit. That really commit what is necessary to give your life to move forward in this kind of grace. To function in this kind. Because it does, it absolutely costs you your life. And it goes back to just the being that sacrifice. Right? But faithfulness is the key. Faith is the key. And... Um, so 
So we have kings that are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, and then we have lords that are empowered with authority, power at that curious level. And, and from that curious level flows this Kratos power. And the Kratos power is the power that comes through the throne, from the throne, and it is what aligns with the prophetic office. So here in this prophetic month, I feel like the Lord saying to us, be aware. Be aware of where I've called you to, to, to function with me in these places in the heavens and, and allow the, the power from my throne to flow through you. And I, you know, I was driving over here and I was thinking about what Kratos really is because when you, I, I did the work study. I said I did it at 1.30 in the morning and that's true. Um, you know, you don't find Kratos' power is like, you know, you think about dunamis. Dunamis is the manifestation of his miraculous power. Kratos, it, does, it doesn't seem to manifest that way because to me it's the existence of who he is. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. he, to me, he is Kratos. And so as, as we are in him and he is in us, we're able to, um, to flow. He's able to flow through us that measure of power that really speaks of, I mean, you know what it is? It is, his, it is the ultimate power that, that demonstrates his mode of purpose of God here on the earth. I'm going to say that again because I'm probably confusing you. Kratos is the ultimate will of the Father. So when I say Kratos is God, it is his ultimate will because he is his will, right? And it's the directive that comes from the throne that is, it embodies his divine will from the foundation. That's Kratos. And it's the greatest, highest power that there is. And so you say, well, why does it line up with the prophet? And that's a good question. And to me, it would have to be because everything begins with a voice, right? And so you think about being a prophetic voice. You want to be in that place with him, seeing him, so that because there's power in your words, there's power in your voice. And so it's, it, I mean, it, it's very sobering for me to think about this measure of power. But it translates his dominion, it translates his power in the New Testament, it conveys the ultimate power and demonstrates the definitive mode of the purpose of God upon a place. And I took that out of Pastor's hierarchy book. It is the will of the Father, and it is the directive that comes from his throne. Amen? Amen. Amen. Is everybody understanding? Yes, sir. Okay. Thank you, Ava. Okay, so let's, let's look back, well... We already looked at Revelation 1, 5, and 6, but let me just read it again. And from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, he has made us kings and priests, and unto God and his Father, and to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And so, kings and priests kingdoms of priests but I want you to remember that Jesus said to us in Luke 17 21 that the kingdom of God is within you and so all of these things flow through you as his presence as his spirit dwells within you okay let's look at Ephesians 1 9, 
19. And we're just going to do a co- look at a couple scriptures that speak of his kratos. Wherefore I also, this is Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. And this really, Pastor, goes back to what you were saying about seeing. That you may know, that you may know what is the hope of your calling and the riches of the glory of the inheritance that you hold as a saint. We need to know. We need to know. And what is the exceeding greatness, and this is megas, that's the expansive power, of his dunamis, which we understand what dunamis is, the miraculous function of power, to us who believe, faith, according to the working of his mighty iscus kratos, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him up from the dead and set him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. So my question to you is when you read this, how do we ever doubt? Right? I mean, how do we ever, how do we ever have unbelief? How do we ever walk in a lack of faith when this is the God and the power and it's not even about the power but he is power and I, you know what the church the church has been dwelling, dwelling in a powerless state for a long long time it just has and I, I I want to say to the Lord I want us to be ones in this house and throughout this network where he can entrust us with his power. Because it is in us, because we are living it, because we embody it. Because he is in us. And because we know who he is, and because we know who we are. And because our lives have been given to service as saints, set apart as priests and kings. It's everything. Nothing else matters. It doesn't. And so how, how, how does the church get into unbelief? How does that happen? Why did Jesus have to say, I can't do anything here because of your unbelief? And they're actually walking with him. They're watching him cast out devils out of the sons of Sceva. I mean, how? Or whatever happened there. <laughs> right? And so I just... Anyway, so that you might know. Okay, let's look at Acts 19.20. And this is something that I felt was just really prophetic for us going forth into this next year. And it's just one simple passage. Oh, wait. This is the one about the, that had brought before the sons of Sceva. Forgive me. Um, so mightily, so kratut. Okay, so Paul was walking and he was doing ministry and all these things were happening. And um, I should probably pull that up so I can read it for you because I can't remember. But... Um, then it says, so mightily, so Kratos grew, Oxano, the word of God, 
and it prevailed. And I just want to declare that into this network and into this communication center as we go forth, as the enemy has tried to stop the message from being expanded throughout the world, that in this next season, the word of God will mightily grow through his kratos. will grow and it will prevail. Amen? Amen. interesting because this word it, it, it's, it's kinda, well it comes from Iscarus yes but it's a derivative of that and it means to be able to prevail to be whole and to be in good health but Iscarus we know aligns with that RK level which is the beginning which is operating from understanding the original intent and purpose of God's will okay and, and so we're called to partner with Christ as joint heirs in tearing down strongholds of these principalities and powers through the relationship that we are afforded and is that Iskra's power to do so. But, you know, I was thinking about that. As I was praying, I was thinking, you know, there's, there's like a stronghold in my mind. I, I, had, I experienced a trauma a couple months ago, and there's something, a stronghold, that I, I, I'm having a hard time, like, it prevailing. And I use the word... I have been prayed over. I have done healing. I mean, literally. But that still, in my mind, still continues at the most unexpected moments to replay in my mind and to catch me up, to trip me up, and to bring grief and mourning to my spirit. You know what I mean? And so I've been applying this, and I know that 
his, his Kratos is my answer. I mean, that, that is the mind, because it affects your mindset. There's other things, and, and I, you can all speak for this. There's another thing that I'm dealing with in my life. I've been dealing with it for a year. I've been asking the Lord to dissolve it. It needs to be dissolved. It is, it, it's distracting me from, I mean, I'm not letting it, but it's the, the intent is to distract me because it's just kind of like that thing. It just is kind of wearing on me because it's something that's scheduled for the future that I don't think is supposed to happen. And it's the enemy just trying to trip me up. And so I, you know, I'm like, Lord, I need the answer. I, I need the answer. Even if you have me walk through this, like so many of our saints are having to walk through hardships, physically or whatever it is, our answer is knowing him, knowing who he is at his throne. And regardless of what things look like, that's our answer. Because he is the answer to every stronghold that we face, right? And so I, I don't know if I've explained this very well. I'm just saying that I know God has given us the gift, the anointing, and the power to share the word of God. And I know the enemy tries to bring things that hinder that constantly. It's like a constant wearing to try to keep us from going forward and expanding that ex oxano, which is expands or increase fruitfulness, you know, those kinds of things that he intends for us. But I'm just here to tell you that I'm just speaking forth that, that the word of God will prevail in these days ahead. Amen. Okay, just a few more, and I know we started late, so I'm just going to steal about five more minutes. Is that okay? Um, be strong, be empowered with the dunamis and the Lord and in the kratos of his iscus. Okay, that's a command, and we're to put on the whole armor of God. Don't forget to do that. We're, we don't really have time to go into that, but that's just a command. And then in the book of Jude, I, I've been in the book of Jude. I love that book, and I think it speaks so much to where we are in the timetable of the Lord. Um, but the very end of the book of Jude, as you transition into, into Revelation, he says this, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior, be glory and majesty, megas, kratos, dominion, and power, exousia, which is authority, both now and ever. Amen. And so I say all that to say, if you, if you study the book of Jude, there's a couple of things. You know, it talks, about, it talks about so much of what we're facing on the earth. In our country, you know, people falling to just all kinds of stuff. But what does he tell us in the book of Jude? He tells us, contend for the faith, right? That's fight for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. We have to do that. And then secondly, he says, you build up your most holy faith by praying in the spirit. Those are two things that he gives to us that we are to do. I mean, one is like a tool to do the other, but it, at the same time, these are things that we have to do because of what is going on around us in the realm and because of the things that we face, because of the things that we see, we hear. It's just clutter, and it's just, it's real, right? And, and so he tells us to do that, and I'm telling you, I'm encouraging you to do that, but then I'm also saying to you, he is the one that is able to keep you from falling. He is the one that presents you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. That's the Father. That's who he is. 
and to the only wise God, our Savior. He is glory. He is majesty. He is Kratos' power. And he is exousia. He is that now, and he is that forever. Amen? Amen. And then I'm going to end with something Christmassy. <laughs> and that's Mary's song. And I really just added this just because it's almost Christmas, and I thought you should be bringing a Christmas message, but you're not. But it's all about that. It's all about he came to this earth for us as a child. And he walked this earth. He taught us. He gave us the greatest example as sons. He broke the veil so that we could be with our Heavenly Father, so that we could partner and rule and reign with him. <laughs> That's what it's all about, guys. But it started with him coming. It started with the Immaculate Conception. And so Mary goes to Elizabeth after she gets impregnated, and she sings this song after John the Baptist left in the womb of Elizabeth. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowest state of, this ha of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he, is that is might, for he that is mighty has done to me great things, and, his, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed Kratos with his arm and has scattered the proud in the in imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. He has holden his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, and he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And so I say this to you, in the midst of the exaltation of his throne and the place where we are called to rule and reign with him as kings and priests, in that place, humility is the key. Because he says right here, he showed his kratos with his arm and scatters the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He puts down the mighty from their seats and exalts them to a low degree. Our pathway is always humility. Always. That's how he came upon this earth. That's how he came into this earth. That's how he left this earth. But as he left this earth, as he was that sacrificial lamb, he was exalted to the throne and rules and reigns from that throne. And he welcomes us to be there with him. And it's the greatest gift this earth could know. Right? <coughs> yes. Amen. So I end that by saying Merry Christmas, and um, I just want to speak just words of encouragement to you, that you would know who you are in the Lord, that you would function in that place with him, that you would be faithful to intercession, that you would be faithful to keep that fire burning, burning, and that you, and that you would just be ready, because he is going to move mightily days ahead. It has to happen. The Bible says it's going to happen. He is going to triumph. We talked about that at the very beginning from the book of Revelation. The end is the end, and the end is a new heaven and a new earth, and our Lord who rules forever and ever, and we're there with him. So I hope that this was an empowerment and encouragement, whatever it might have been for you, but I just bless you, and I just say Merry Christmas. So, on that note, I bless you today, and I do want to announce that 
our own Nancy Deshawn will be taking this pulpit next week. Are you ready? Kind of sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for Jeez. for um, enduring this with me, and um, I bless you. Amen. Amen. Thank you.